This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning and welcome to College Football Saturday and also welcome to Episode 5 of Respect My Decision. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Um, we're going to have, uh, a guest on us, a guest with us, I should say on our show, but before we do that, I do want to remind you of our lovely sponsor here on the show, uh, the lovely at American betting experts. This show is sponsored by them. They are one of the largest licensed sports vendors in the United States. And, uh, we at Landry football network have teamed together I'd gaming offers to all Landry football and podcast. That's you. Uh, here's what you do. I say it every week. I've done it for, I guess, three weeks now. It is very, very easy. All you do, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Among the gaming sites that are legal in your state, so we're talking BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, PointsBet, anything – Literally, that's all you do. Again, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad in the upper right side of the page and get in on the action with a special offer from American Betting Experts. All right, so good morning. Um, As I pull up the schedule here, as we do every week, we're going to briefly touch on the uh, college football slate that we have for today. Um, as I check in on Man City, and it appears that they are, let's see, oh, okay, up one nothing on Sheffield United. So for those of you that partake in uh, <laughs> in uh, English football, it is a football Saturday. Um, so. Uh, I guess some of the marquee matchups for uh, for today. As I pull up the schedule here, and I'm going to be able to scroll through here on my other screen. I'm gonna slide this uh, slide this camera over just a tad so we can see it. Um, all right, so we have number one Clemson, obviously playing without Trevor Lawrence against Boston College. Number five Georgia at Kentucky. I think this is going to be a good one. We got Memphis at number seven, Cincinnati. Michigan State at number 13, Michigan. Number 16, Kansas State at Georgia State. Or, excuse me, at West Virginia. And then we have number 20, the Shots, Coastal Carolina at Georgia State. 
Um, some of the big matchups, I'm not going to go down the whole slate here. Um, I think Texas at Oklahoma State is going to be a big one. And then you've got uh, Alabama, number two in the country, taking on Mississippi State. I don't think that's going to be a big one, but uh, it'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch for Alabama fans. Um, I think, obviously, the, the nightcap, number three, Ohio State, number 18, Penn State. Ohio State, are they going to be able to keep it rolling, trying to uh, put together some impressive wins to impress the playoff committee? Um, can Penn State bounce back after that tough loss to Indiana last week? I still don't think that Penix was in. I thought he was short. Um, but what a what an absolute gem of a game. That was a that was a fun one to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, this week is going to be a ton of fun. You've got Arkansas, a team that's a lot of fun right now. They're playing well under Sam Pittman in year one. They're going to go to College uh, Station, uh, A and M. Weird, weird to see number eight next to them. They're a top ten team right now. Jimbo's kind of got something figured out there. They kind of win ugly, but they get it done. Interesting game there. It's not at Jerry World. It's going to be in Kyle Field. Missouri, another team that's kind of exciting in a in year one of a coach uh, with Eli Drinkwitz. They're taking on number ten Florida. I Florida's had a you know a little bit of a, a little bit of a COVID uh, buy, uh, so they've had some time to to put some things together. Kyle Pitts and and Kyle Trask are a lot of fun. I tend to think that uh, it's going to be a little a little too much of the Kyle driver. Shout out to the the fellas at the Solid Verbal there for that nickname. Um. You've got number 15, North Carolina on the road in Charlottesville at Virginia. Number 24, Oklahoma at Texas Tech. That's going to be a lot of points in that one. Um, so, yeah, we've got some good games. Um, so, like I said, uh, we will have a guest joining us here. I've got a couple topics we're going to touch on. We're going to tie it into uh, some games today and talk recruiting, and then we're going to also talk some uh, – this is a, a topic that comes up a lot in um, – the area that, that I cover college football recruiting. And I think it's, it's something that a lot of people talk about elsewhere, but uh, I feel like it's big in the South Southeast. Um, probably. Uh, I, I'm going to ask him because there are larger States that there are enough players to where uh, you can recruit in state, but also look elsewhere because um, you can kind of pick and choose because there's uh, there's more to choose from. But uh, we're going to talk the importance of in-state recruiting and uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be a good time. So um, if you uh, let's see if we want if we want to talk some betting, want to talk some betting. We talked about American betting experts. I'll give you some some picks. Uh, so me and a couple of the guys, um, we have a show, a podcast, Podcast Rebellion. Uh, it's where you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, all that stuff. We uh, we always have a show every week where we pick games and uh, we, we we give our we uh, it's me and three other guys. We give three locks each. Um, my my picks for the week. Um, if you wanna know, uh, I have Oklahoma State minus three and a half, Oklahoma minus fourteen, and Cincinnati minus fourteen. So um, I feel like Oklahoma State is for real. And I think that Texas is reeling right now. I don't know what Tom Herman's going to do, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, they have a really good shot to, to beat the Longhorns and put a lot of heat on, on Herman and, and, uh, 
and Sam Ellinger and all those guys. But uh, Oklahoma minus 14 against Texas Tech. I said it was going to be a lot of points. Uh, Texas Tech, I believe it was Houston Baptist put up, I think, well over 500 yards passing, maybe close to 600. Uh, earlier this year, their pass defense is not very good. And then, like I said earlier, that Memphis-Cincinnati game is a ton of fun. Cincinnati, a top-10 team. I really like what um, what Luke Fickle has done there. They're, you want to talk about defense, they play a lot of defense, and they're a really fundamentally sound team. I think that you're kind of getting free money there at minus seven. Uh, I think that they can more than handle a Memphis team that is without Kenny Gainwell, and they're coming off the Mike Norvell era. They're, they're, they're kind of finding themselves um, – under Silver Silverfield, so they're trying to you know build an identity there. I think that that's something that um, you know this is going to be kind of a transition year for them. So um, so yeah. So as we as we wait on our guest here, uh, just kind of giving giving you the folks some uh, you know some 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 chances to make some money. You know, go over to you know hit up American Betting Experts and. Uh, and uh, get you uh, get you a little parlay going. I guess a couple other games we can run through that we like here. Um, Penn State plus 12 and a half. Indiana Rutgers under 53. Southern Miss minus one and a half. Charlotte plus 10 against Duke. I think that is potentially free money. Boise State minus 14. The Broncos are always good for a uh, good for, a, for 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 some free money. And then Purdue minus six and a half. Wait here for uh, for my guest to arrive. You know how it goes when you're doing a live show. A little bit tricky here. No, it's nice to get on here and, and talk live, and we can uh, we can get things going here in a moment as he joins us. Like I said, we're going to talk in-state recruiting, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some players that were involved in a Auburn LSU matchup. Not at the same time, but I'm going to get his thoughts uh, on that as well. So as we wait on him to join. Uh, again, American betting experts, go to LandryFootball.com, top right of the screen, click on that and, uh, enter in and, and, you know, get you a, get you a nice little, little nest egg with, uh, you you get a free bet from $100 to $1,000. So it's tough to beat. So LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page and get in on the action with the special offer.
couple of the games last night as we uh, wait on him. Minnesota at Maryland was a wild one. Maryland pulled that one out in overtime. Uh, Taula Tagovailoa threw for 394. Uh, that was a huge win. Maryland was close to a 20-point underdog and won that in overtime. So that was a big win for the Terps. Uh, row the boat. Um, tough one. Boat's not getting rowed too far right now. They're 0-2. Uh, and then Tulsa ECU was a good one as well. Tulsa pulled that one out 34-30. Some questionable calls there. Um, but uh, And then the nightcap, Wyoming put it on the Rainbow Warriors from Hawaii. Shout out to Powder River. Um, and the pokes there, they had a pretty, uh, pretty dominating victory there. And then unfortunately the Marshall FIU game was postponed. So that was a bummer. Um, hopefully they'll get to, to make that one up again. But, uh, as you're, uh, probably, you know, watching college game day in the background, um, they're at happy Valley this week. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's a good college football Saturday. I mean any any college football Saturday is a good one. But uh, the Big Ten is back. The Pac-12 will be back next week, so that's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, can't wait for that. Uh, it's been it's been a it's it's been a tough couple weeks not having that Pac-12 after dark to uh to enjoy in the nightcap. But um, you know it's it's going to be back. And like I said, any college football Saturday is a good one. So um, we've got games to watch. I don't care what it is. I'm going to watch it. So going to welcome in my guests now. Joining us all the way from the great state of Mississippi, Mr. Michael Borky. Michael, good morning. Good morning. And yeah, I heard you mention the Pac-12 after dark thing. Um, did you know we're going to get Pac-12 with your coffee? Oh, please tell me more. because They're going great. to play... 9 a.m. local time games this year in the Pac-12. So it'll still be like 11 a.m. for us in the GOAT, the central time zone, but they are going to have, I'm not kidding, 9 a.m. kickoffs for Pac-12 football this year. That's amazing. How did I not know this? That's like like coffee. Arizona State, I think, is is playing the first one that they announced a a while ago. Um, Let me see if I can Google it. Hell yeah, I love this. Yeah, that's like, you're a golf guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like coffee golf. This is coffee football. This is amazing. Thank you for, for telling yeah, me. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> when Mike Leach was at Washington State last year, because this was this has been a conversation for a while, because mm-hmm. the Pac-12 especially is having a hard time generating national interest. That's just right. the reality of the situation. And they're willing, basically to punt atmospheres and attendance for a a better time slot for them. Because as we've learned recently, 11 a.m. is more valuable than 9 p.m. And so they'd rather be on at 11 a.m. and, you know, few thousand fewer fans show up to the game. And, you know, game day is not as fun. But that's not a place where you're, like, aside from, what, maybe Oregon, Oregon, Washington, but aside from that, it's not like you have these incredible game day atmospheres that you can't just sacrifice anyway. So right. they're they're they've been looking at that. And Mike Leach was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever, I'll play. I don't care." But that's kind of <laughs> he's got to get up before then, which would have been right. tough. But I guess now that he's in the SEC, he doesn't have to worry about that. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So, Michael, uh, before we before we start, uh, throw out your bona fides, your credentials. Uh, I know that you're you're big radio guy, in Mississippi, but tell the folks where they can hear you uh, before I forget. So, follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky's most uh, where I share my thoughts. I am on radio Monday through Friday from three to six uh, on the Super Talk Network. I do an Ole Miss based podcast uh, called the Rebel Report, and I also host a Sunday show myself called Sports Sunday. I work. Uh, every day of the week, basically, and I am on as many platforms as I can think of. So, uh, Twitter's yeah. the only platform I really use, though, as far as social media. So, yeah. follow me there. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, myself as I'm, you know, technically working on a on a Saturday here. As you, as you, so we're so nice to join me here. As you know, as a as a new dad, it is uh, <laughs> it is quite the the obstacle course to to carve out some time especially on a saturday yeah. morning we have a we have a walker now also oh. well sort of okay um okay. it's more of like a step that's about that much and then ah forget it and then sit down so yeah. it's um but it's still technically walking so that that's a uh, and we're trying to encourage that and people keep telling us don't do that you don't want him to walk yet because you're chasing him around everywhere but yeah yeah that's it's um, where we are we're, we're getting really close um, so it's, uh, it's fun, but, but yeah, so we're, we're gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit. We're gonna hang out this morning as, uh, I'm sure, uh, our, our, our kids are out there wreaking havoc on the living room, but, um, but real quick, I, I wanted to touch on this before we get in on the in-state recruiting conversation. Uh, I noticed this morning that it was 10 years ago yesterday that I saw, in my opinion, the greatest college football player that I've ever seen live cam Newton oh man do his thing against Ole Miss um so that game I believe Ole Miss scored on maybe the second or third play from scrimmage and I turned and told uh my good buddy uh shout out Michael Jennings I told him I said we we just pissed him off and uh <laughs> as you all know cam went off uh threw for a couple caught a touchdown uh I actually saw a statistic today that in that game, Ole Miss actually broke his streak of running for 170 yards or more, but he ended up just throwing and then obviously catching a touchdown. And as we know, you know, the legend was born. He went on to win the Heisman, Auburn won the national title. But um, I wanted to ask you about this because I saw uh, Bill Connolly was apparently just chomping at the bit to write about this. But he, since it's Auburn LSU week, he wrote about Cam Newton 2010 versus Joe Burrow 2019. Ooh. I know I know my answer. And I don't know. I it, Now they're both great. Both were amazing in college. I think it's an easy answer in my opinion, but I, I want to get your thoughts on that. Who would you rather have? Oh, that's such a good question. Um the the my first thought uh, and you're putting me on the spot here, didn't get a chance to prep for this. Uh, my first thought is that uh, Joe Burrow had NFL guys everywhere around him, everywhere. He had an NFL offensive coordinator. Everything about what Joe Burrow had is next level. Clyde Edwards-Dallaire is, I mean, starting for what could be a Super Bowl favorite and playing very well. You know about the receivers and the offensive line and the defense and the coaching. He had everything working in his favor. If you look at Cam Newton's Auburn, a team that he had to will himself to a national championship – what did he have around him? And what was Auburn before he got there? And what was Auburn after he got there? Maybe that's not fair to do to, to Burrow because 
uh, he had the best statistical season in college football history. But if Cam Newton had what Joe Burrow had around him, uh, he would have been breaking all of those records as well and, and done exactly what Burrow did. So I think I would take college Cam Newton over college Joe Burrow because Cam Newton had to do it not by himself, but it felt like it. I mean, it really felt like it was a Cam Newton team. I mean, we have this conversation here in the state quite frequently. What happens to Mississippi State if Cam Newton signs with them? And the answer that most people give is national championship. Probably, That's yeah. how good he was. And as great as Burrow is, and he's looking good in the NFL so far, it it was easier for him to do because everything around him was elite. Absolutely. Uh, I had the box score pulled up earlier of that Ole Miss-Auburn game from 2010, so I'm just looking at it here. Now, Michael Dyer was a good college running back. Um, Ontario McCaleb was kind of a Swiss Army knife on offense. They played him at receiver, running back. They kind of used him in space a lot. Um, but as far as receivers, I mean, Darvin Adams, Terrell Zachary, Emery Blake, probably – I probably remember Darvin Adams, but that's it. I don't remember anybody else from that team. Uh, on defense, it was just Nick Fairley and a bunch of dudes. That was it. So, like you said, Cam was just dragging Auburn through that through that year. But to me, the now Joe Burrow was, I think, statistically had the best quarterback single season ever. Um, definitely in SEC history. I'm pretty sure it was in college football history. But the game that always sticks out to me was the Iron Bowl in 2010. I believe I believe Alabama was up 24-7 at halftime. It was a significant lead for sure. And that second half, Cam Newton literally beat Alabama and Nick Saban by himself. I mean, it was literally coming up to the line, and he was just basically like, okay, I'm running right here, and you're just not going to stop me. And he beat him. You know, the cam back is what they call it. Beat him by himself. After I saw that, I was like, okay, yeah. I thought this guy was the best I've ever seen, but that solidified it. I was like, this dude is just otherworldly. Um, but it's, I would say it's a little its a little unfair and almost kind of you can't really compare. I'm not big on comparing eras. That's a conversation with, you know, Michael, Jer- Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. I feel like it's, yeah. so, it's too hard to compare. But, I mean, looking at those two guys and how good they were, I mean, I guess the uh, – here it is. Yeah, the re- so the rematch, they they beat South Carolina in the regular season when they, when Auburn played them in Atlanta for the SEC title, came through for 335. That was a really good South Carolina team. Probably one of Spurrier's best teams. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, destroyed them. People call it his Heisman moment. Uh, when they played LSU, he had the, the long run, dragged Patrick Peterson into the end zone. Uh, he ran for 217 against LSU in that game. So, um, yeah, it's – it's and Joe Burrow, I mean, we, we don't have to really run through – through his bona fides, because we know how good he was. He won the Heisman. LSU had the first ever 15-0 SEC uh, regular season. So it's it's hard to, to compare those two. But um, I don't know. I mean, kind of bridging into recruiting, do you think that there will ever be someone as good as Cam Newton in the way that he was ever again? Maybe not the way that he was. It just that's the kind of guy that he's so unique in what he did. I heard somebody yesterday on a podcast compare Trevor Lawrence to Cam Newton. And it's an interesting comparison because Lawrence is actually a pretty good runner. Nobody really thinks of him that way, in part 
uh, because that, he's got the flowing year. locks and all Playoff. that stuff. But I mean, that's how they beat Ohio State. Yeah, he ran away from on the ground. Ran away from some good dudes in that secondary. But the physicality is just not there. He's he's not anywhere close to as daunting of a runner as Cam Newton. I don't. We may not see a guy like him ever again. That's um, that's what's so exhausting about the debates like the, that you mentioned because. After LeBron wins an NBA championship, it's, oh, well, where does he compare to Jordan? And then they do the same tired arguments over and over. And the reality is those are very unique guys. They're different. And we may never see one again. So instead of having this tired debate between which one's better and legacy and all that, uh, appreciate them for what they are because we may never see somebody like that again. I think Cam Newton might fall into that category. As good as Burrow was, for example, uh, the, the one that we've been talking about, you'll see another Joe Burrow. You'll see another quarterback that the game looks really slow to. That was Burrow's best quality. Is the game never looked like it was too fast for him. It just everything mm-hmm. looked like it was in slow motion. Um, but you'll see a guy with his measurables and his arm strength and his ability to throw the ball down the field. We've seen a lot of those guys before. But have you ever seen a Cam Newton before? I don't think so. And so I think... It's it's tough to say. I'm sure somebody will come along. Clemson's going to play a kid uh, coming up today that may not be as good of a runner, but he's got the measurables, the same ones as Newton, so we'll see. But I, I don't know if we'll ever see yeah. somebody like him again. He's just so incredibly unique. And if he didn't get officiated the way he did in the NFL, maybe he'd have a Super Bowl or two. Yeah. I actually saw an interesting comparison to uh, – now, you you might know how to say his name. I DJ, we uh, I, I had it right. I, I've, I've got to look at it so I know. Uh, it's Uia Galele. Uia okay. Galele. I'll just stick with DJ. Um, yeah, he's from uh from California. Went to uh St. John Bosco out there. Number one overall player in the country. I saw uh I believe it might have been Mike Farrell from Rivals. I think he uh said that he uh reminded him a lot of Ben Roethlisberger, hmm. which is which is super interesting. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's the thing that was so funny. Um, you know, unfortunately Trevor Lawrence tested positive for COVID. I, I think hopefully he'll be fine and he'll be out for the 10 day window. But I told people, I was like, they're not going to really lose much. They're going to put a guy out there. That's a, another former number one overall player in the country and they're going to be okay. Um, now it remains to be seen if Trevor's going to be back for, uh, for the Notre Dame game. We'll see, but, um, kind of going into our main topic here. Uh, now talking about out of state recruiting. So DJ's obviously from California, goes all the way across the country to Clemson. So there's a lot of marquee programs that, that kind of dominate out of state. Uh, just kind of running through a list here of, of big name programs that recruit out of state very successfully. I mean, you have the heavy hitters, the, the usual suspects, you've got the, you know, Michigan, uh, Tennessee, Ohio state, uh, Florida state Clemson's in there. They, you know, Recruit a, you know, Trevor Lawrence is from Georgia, went to Clemson. Um, you know, T. Higgins, big receiver, was from Tennessee. Taj Boyd was from Virginia. Sammy Watkins was from Florida. Uh, Oklahoma recruits out of state a lot. Alabama recruits out of state a lot. I mean, it's the, you know, Notre Dame, um, you know, even throw Stanford in there, even with their rigorous academic uh, requirements, they kind of have to, you know, go out of state a little bit to, to find smart kids all over the country. But talking in-state recruiting, you're in Mississippi. I cover recruiting for Ole Miss, and uh, so that obviously entails a lot of Southeast area players. Um, 
how important do you think it is truly to be successful in state? And I think that that's such a loaded question because it just depends on where you are. I know a lot of emphasis is put on that inside the state of Mississippi, but how important do you think it is? And and do you think it's something that you have to do first and foremost, or do you think it's something that changes year by year? I love this conversation so much. I really do because part of the problem when you talk about stuff like this is people take what I'm about to say the wrong way because people will say in response to what we're about to go through, um, well, you shouldn't just ignore the state. That's not what we're saying. You you don't ignore Mississippi if you're the head coach at Ole Miss. You, yeah. If there are players in this state, you go get those players because this is the state where you have the most ties, the most connections, where the majority of your boosters live. You've got high school coaches that are, are friendly with you more often than any other state in the country. So you do have to recruit this state. But I do not think at all that anybody, if they're the coach at Ole Miss, and I would say the same thing for Mississippi State to some degree, although their situation is a little bit different than Ole Miss's. If you want to, the idea of putting a fence around Mississippi, I think that's a waste of time. Because, uh, number one, while this is the most underrated recruiting output state probably in the country, it's a very underrated, underscouted state. You can get some players from Mississippi. I don't think, though, if you exclusively recruit this state, you can build a roster that's competitive in the SEC West. If if you were here by yourself, if you had the same setup as Arkansas, now Mississippi produces more players than the state of Arkansas does, but they can't just rely on in-state kids to build a competitive program there. I think the same thing would apply here. And on top of the fact that you have a school in your state that is in your division, so no matter how hard you try to just put a fence around Mississippi, it's never going to happen because Mississippi State also has a bunch of high school coaches that are devoted to them. They also have boosters and and players that grow up fans of the school and things like that within the state of Mississippi. So you can put a fence around it all day long, but there's nothing you can do about Mississippi State. No matter how much better you are than them, they're still going to get guys from here. They're still going to get some of the top guys from here just because of geographical uh, reasons and otherwise. And on top of that, if LSU wants a player in Mississippi, they're going to come try to go get them. Same thing with Alabama and Auburn and everybody else. So if you want to try to be loyal to Mississippi, I think that's a losing strategy because there's not enough players and you have to battle Mississippi State. You have to battle LSU. You have to battle Alabama. The goal for Lane Kiffin and any coach at Ole Miss moving forward should exclusively be get the best players that you can get regardless of location. A lot of times it's going to be Mississippi because you can get guys from here, but they have, I have the the class in front of me, a four-star uh, athlete. I think he's going to play sec- in the secondary though, right? From Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If that's where you can go get a guy, an athlete of that caliber, you go there to get him. Constraining yourself in the state is only a losing strategy and being loyal to Mississippi I think is also something that um, you shouldn't do because when has Mississippi ever been loyal to you? When has Mississippi ever been loyal to Ole Miss? It hasn't. You've you've been able to get some guys in the past, mm-hmm. but you also, like I mentioned, you have Mississippi State. There are people that actively work against you all the time, and it, 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 that's just the reality on top of the fact that some of your top kids are going out of state elsewhere. You, you can be – 
be chummy and all that stuff with local high school coaches and all that. But if they're sending their guys out of state, why would you be loyal to them? Why would you sign kids that you know probably won't play or couldn't play in the SEC just to get the next guy when the next guy's going to Georgia or, or Auburn or somewhere else? Mississippi has shown you no loyalty whatsoever in steering kids to your school. So why would you just sign kids from here to be loyal to your state? I think all of that is contributing to the fact that if you're Ole Miss or if you're Mississippi State, just focusing on this state is a losing strategy. I think a, a big variable in this is also how your staff is made up. Because, look, if you have a staff, that they're all from Mississippi, they all went to Ole Miss, MSU, Southern Miss, whatever, then, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to focus on the state of Mississippi. Or if you're at Georgia and you, all your guys are from Georgia or they went to Georgia Southern or whatever, Florida. Um, you know, the Ole Miss staff, for instance, we're, we're familiar with that staff. They're all from – you know, te- they have ties to Texas, Florida. Uh, you mentioned Tysheem Johnson. He's from Philly. I mean, you've got Chris Partridge, who's from the Northeast. I mean, it's it's a lot. It, there's a lot going into that, and there's a lot going out outside my, my office here. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you build a staff that can nationally recruit, and that's something that Lane Kiffin has been pretty adamant about, is to compete nationally, you have to recruit nationally. And, you know, you mentioned – the state of Mississippi and how it doesn't have a ton of players year in, year out to, you know, you can't go in and just cherry pick a couple guys. I mean, the class that you probably could have done that was 2019. And just running through the list here, you have Charles Cross, the number one player in the state that year, five-star, went to Mississippi State, stayed in state. Number two, Nicobe Dean, went to Georgia. Number three, Jerry Neely, went to Ole Miss. Very good player starting for Ole Miss right now. Then after that, You've got Charles Moore went to Auburn, Byron Young, Alabama, Jaron Handy, Auburn, Derek Hall, Auburn, Brandon Turnage, Alabama, KJ Jefferson, Arkansas. Um, you know, working down the list, you've got Zach Edwards, Louisville, uh, Ray Darius And you're already Cone. getting to guys that may not have been contributors in the SEC West. Yeah. That's not a long list. Yeah. So that was the year where there was a, a hefty amount of talent in the state. And you know, that's, you know, for a guy like Matt Luke, who was the, you know, the former coach at Ole Miss, he went heavy and said, hey, we're going to do this Mississippi made thing. And it didn't work. It came back and, you know, bit him in the ass a little bit. Um, and it's something that I think, you know, I'll, I'll, the, st- the statistic that Mississippians throw out a lot is, you know, Mississippi has the most NFL players per capita. And, you know, that's true. That's a pretty amazing statistic. And that's, shows i guess the i'm trying to think of the way to phrase it it's almost like those guys can kind of find their way to the nfl and Mm -hmm. can find a way to be very good players in the nfl and can stay in the league for a while and you know some of the greatest players ever from mississippi i mean steve mcnair brett Favre, walter payton jerry rice and you know those are kind of outliers but focusing solely on in-state, like you said, is just it's such a it's such a roll of the dice. And you know, Lane Kiffin has been that's been his thing since he got to Oxford was we have to recruit nationally to compete nationally. And I think that's true. I mean, you look at all the programs and sure, their networks are bigger and um, you know, they have a little bit more prestigious history and tradition, but Notre Dame doesn't just focus on Indiana. Michigan doesn't just focus on Michigan. 
Southern Cal doesn't just focus on California, which they might be able to just focus on California, but they go everywhere. Um, you know, Clemson, which is probably next to Alabama as the marquee program right now, they don't just recruit South Carolina kids. Um, and I am of the opinion that I think South Carolina is a very underrated high school football state, but they probably get two, three, four guys from there, but the rest are Florida, Texas, California, um, you know, they, they go everywhere. So I think it's, it's such an interesting question to, to work through because I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Michael, the, the states that Ole Miss typically has the most success in are Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Texas. It seems like the bulk of where they go. Um, they might dip into Louisiana here and there, but I mean, LSU is the only show in town there. So if they want a guy from Louisiana, um, now I might be, you know, talking out both sides of my mouth here today because Sage Ryan, a five-star safety from there, is trying to decide between LSU and Alabama today. Most think he's going to go Alabama, but that's because it's Alabama. So they have a a pretty a pretty nice recruiting pitch over there with Nick Saban to come over there and play for Alabama. But the point remains, and, and you brought up a, another great point that I'm glad you did because I'll forget about it. States like Mississippi, where you have two Power Five programs in it, I mean, that just essentially cuts the state in half to where you're fighting for these players that, like you said, if they can contribute at a Power Five program, well, you're not you're not the only show in town like Arkansas. You're not the only show in town to be able to just go and pick who you want. I mean, Arkansas is not a very, you know, well-respected high school football state, but Arkansas is probably going to get the number one player, the number two player year in, year out there because they're the only show in town. Absolutely. And I think the the competing nationally, you have to recruit nationally aspect is interesting. And especially when you look at, as you mentioned Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, Florida. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a handful of pretty good programs in those states, right? And Ole Miss just got a commitment from a defensive tackle from the state of Georgia that does not have an offer from Georgia. And I know what people are thinking when you talk about stuff like this is, well, you should want to get players that Georgia also wants. And that is true, but you do have to build somewhere. And you can take advantage if you extend beyond the borders of Mississippi into Louisiana where LSU is recruiting at a national level, and there are kids in that state that are good enough to play and be contributors and play well in the SEC West that they can't take. Same thing in Georgia and Florida and elsewhere. So uh, you can build your footprint nationally by getting guys that you know can contribute while also taking advantage of schools like Georgia uh, recruiting at a national level, and you can become that as well. I, I think that is the kind of strategy that you can win with. And if we're continuing to, to keep it in the context of Ole Miss, um, what do you want out of your program? Because Lane Kiffin may or may not work. I, I mean, they, for the last two weeks, have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Two games they should have won, and they did not win. So everything has not been perfect. But Lane Kiffin so far is checking a lot of, of the positive boxes for Ole Miss with his attitude and his approach. And like even those goofy videos on Friday of the staff playing baseball, I mean, we, a couple of listeners yeah. to our show, that bothers them because they should be game planning. If you're still having to game plan on Friday of game week, you're already going to lose. It doesn't matter. The, every, the hay's in the barn by that point. But they're having fun. Um, the, the social media stuff is brilliant, even if it's on accident. Um, people are taking notice. 
Uh, A.J. Brown, who uh, upset people with some tweets earlier this summer, uh, this morning, has talked about how he, he talks to the guys on the team and they they love the vibe and they're going to win there. It's People are starting to pay attention because he's checking all of the right boxes. Uh, but what do you want out of your program? Do yeah. you want to compete with LSU and Alabama and Auburn on an annual basis and not a, well, hey, Hugh Freeze was great because he beat Alabama that one time four years ago. That that shouldn't be a win you're still talking about in 2020. That should right. be something that you just you strive to do on a semi-regular basis. Ole Miss will never, ever be Alabama. Ever. It's never going to happen. They have more advantages, and, and the, the gap will never yeah. close down to parallel. It'll never happen. It's not structurally feasible. No. But if, if you want success at the highest level out of your program, you have to do it the way Kiffin's doing it. You have to be selective with your guys. You have to sometimes say no to highly ranked guys in your state because deep down you know not good enough to play in the SEC. And that's going to ruffle some feathers. That's going to bother some people in the media. That's going to bother some high school coaches maybe around here. That's bothered a couple of the listeners to our show. Why won't Ole Miss offer this kid because he's from Mississippi and he's a good player? But can you beat Alabama with him? And if that answer is no, it's not worth the scholarship. And that's going to bother some people. But if you want out of your program to be semi-regularly competitive with the best in the SEC West, which I think is attainable, you can't just sign kids to sign kids. And it's so nice and refreshing to see Lane Kiffin take that approach because even as good of a recruiter as Hugh Freeze was, inconsistent but good, you remember this, they signed a lot of kids just to put signatures in the recruiting class. They did that. Mm-hmm. This staff isn't doing that because if I can't win with this kid, I'm not signing him. It's a waste yeah. of time. Well, I, you're seeing it this year, and I think a lot of first-year coaches, you know, Sam Pittman, and we're focusing on the SEC because there's a lot of first-year guys in the SEC. Uh, Pittman at Arkansas, Drinkwitz at Missouri, Kiffin at Ole Miss, Leach at Mississippi State. Um these first year guys are trying to put a stamp on their program. It's theirs now. And unfortunately, a lot of that time is spent on reevaluating your current roster. Or can these guys contribute and do what we want to do? And I think that, like you said, being selective in recruiting, finding guys that fit what you want to do, finding your, you know, quote unquote fit of a player. Uh, we talk a lot about size speed ratio with, with Ole Miss and they want, you know, they, they, they feel like they got to get bigger, faster, stronger. You see it every Saturday. Um, you know, Ole Miss, they're, they're just, you know, four or five guys away on defense, it seems, to really competing. I mean, you saw it in the, uh, you know, early on, Florida game. Florida pulled away. I think it was in large part Jimmy's and Joe's. That phrase is used a lot in recruiting. Got to have the players. Alabama, neck and neck with the number two team in the country into the fourth quarter. Ran out of gas, couldn't make the plays. Had the ball with a chance to tie in the fourth. Jimmy's and Joe's. You just didn't have a couple guys on defense to make a stop here and there. Uh, You saw it in the Auburn game. Tank Bigsby had a hell of a game against Ole Miss last week. Um, Just couldn't find that extra guy to make an impact on defense, to make that stop on third down, to to pick off that long pass that probably shouldn't have been thrown, and you have nobody Uh, back there. So – that's that's the key here, and I think that's the focus because college football is such a what have you done for me lately industry. And like you said, with 
Well, he freeze beat Alabama back to back. Well, that was four years ago, and that four years feels like an eternity in college football. So it was. Hmm. Think about everything that's happened since yeah. that twenty or that twenty fifteen game. So it was five years ago. I, I kept giving them sixteen. They lost in sixteen. It's five years ago. Yeah, f- yeah. Sorry, five years ago. Yeah. So it's just wild to think of how far certain programs have fallen or have come from certain spots. And that's just the big thing for me in terms of focusing on in-state recruiting is that, look, if you're in Texas, yeah, you can get away with it. If you're in Florida, yeah, you can probably do that. But you look at those states and those Power 5 programs, the Gators and the Seminoles are, are going everywhere. The Longhorns, the Aggies, they're going everywhere. They're not just getting guys in Texas. I mean, this isn't, you know, your Mac Brown 2000 Longhorns where you can just go and, all right, top 15 guys in the state, we're signing all of them. Because TCU's there now. Texas A&M is there now. SMU is making noise here and there. Um, so it's something that I think is is something that, that fans have to realize that, look, that there's probably some really good players in your state, and they probably have some fantastic high school careers. Sometimes that just doesn't translate to the SEC, to the Big 12, to the big 10. So that's, you got to look at, I mean, look at, it's not as easy as just, okay, we're just going to copy what Nick Saban does. But I mean, look at how Alabama does it. Alabama is a good high school football state, but they're going everywhere to get guys. They're not just focusing on, all right, are they from the yellow hammer state? All right, let's get them. Like, no, no, they're going everywhere. I mean, they're going to Florida. They're going up to Maryland. They're dipping into California. I mean, that's just, it's how you have to do it these days. You got to find the players. Yeah. Florida currently number five class in the country. And, uh, of course, it's worth noting that they have a state that produces talent more than almost any other. On this commitment list, I see Birmingham. I see McMurray, Pennsylvania, wherever that is. Uh, Their quarterback in this class is from Texas. You've got Sumter, South Carolina, Loganville, Georgia. I think that would be a Grayson guy, right? Franklin, Georgia, Cartersville, Georgia, Independence, Kansas, and then Dewan Black, at uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Uh, that That is exactly what you're talking about, and that is a state that's very, very different than the one that I sit in right now. All right. This is a fun game. Let's look at Alabama, number one class in the country right now. Let's look at their, let's say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, top ten guys in their class by rating. Fort Worth, Texas, two from Bradenton, Florida. That's where IMG is. Orlando, Florida, Belleville, Michigan, Fort Washington, Maryland, Valoracio, Florida, never heard of that, Marrero, Louisiana, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Fort Valley, Georgia. Didn't hear Alabama in there. Now they've got some, they've got, you move on down, you've got three straight four stars, Pinson, Alabama, Mobile, and Prattville. So they'll find the guys that are in that state that they think can contribute, but it's national. That's that's. It's going to always be like that. You have to recruit nationally. And there's – look, and this is no – I think a lot of it, as we close up shop here, Michael, I think a lot of it is pride. And I think almost people kind of take it as like you're, you're taking a shot at their, at their mm-hmm. state. Why, why can't they go get Tennessee guys to come in this class and make a difference? Why can't they what, – what's wrong, what's wrong with, with getting guys from Kansas? What, what's wrong with that? Well, it's it's not a shot at your state. It's not saying they're not good enough or they're not worthy of a scholarship. 
It's just how they fit in what you're trying to do. And there's time, I mean, to, uh, Mississippi last year, a guy like J.J. Pegues from Oxford, I mean, literally, what, two miles mm-hmm. from the locker room, if that? Lane Kiffin and them came in. I'm pretty well-sourced on this. I feel like they went to him and said, hey, man, we think you could be an impact guy for us on defense. We think you could be a disruptive force on the defensive line with how athletic you are, how quick you are. I don't think J.J. wanted to do that. I think it's pretty apparent he didn't want to do that because he didn't go to Ole Miss. He went to Auburn, and he's playing for Gus Malzahn over there in kind of an H-back, tight-in type role. That's what he wanted to do. Sometimes it just doesn't work. So it's – that's that, that's that's the battle that you have to to fight is mm-hmm. okay here's what we think you can do for us this is how we think you fit you know those tweener guys um because jj was you know an athlete and i think a lot of people recruited him differently you see that now with uh you know guys like um antonio Harmon, who's another mississippi guy legacy at ole miss grant uh, his uncle played there played receiver he plays receiver in high school. I think a lot of people are looking at him. You've got Texas that's involved. Ole Miss is involved. Mississippi State. Is he going to play receiver at the next level? Is he going to play safety? Could he be, you know, a tight end type guy? I think uh, I think Ole Miss would be well served to look at him as a, as a tight end. I mean, Kenny Yaboa having a ton of success in this offense. Antonio Harmon is. A he needs big, to block better, but that's uh, you know yeah, a conversation yeah, for yeah. another day. Um, Harmon's a big dude. I think he could be a mismatch at tight end. I mean, Yaboa has done that all season where he's exposed people who cannot keep up with him because he's, he's big and he can move. Um, that's just the, the whole juxtaposition of this and, and why recruiting is such a, a you know, such a science yeah. know, to find that fit. But um, I wonder why there's pushback. I, I have a few theories, but locally there's, there's some pushback to uh, the way Kiffin's going about it. Uh, for example, uh, when, when Matt Corral threw the six, should have been seven interceptions against Arkansas. Um, I took to Twitter as I do, and uh, was basically just explaining to people why you don't sit him because quarterbacks are do bad games. They are human. This was the worst game of his life, but uh, it's one of four, and the other three he was pretty electric. So you don't make that change just yet. And a guy got into my mentions, and it's just one guy on Twitter. I know Twitter's not the best indicator, but he's not alone because we get the the texts into our radio shows about the, the guy Twitter, was like, "But Twitter's such a great place, Michael." Uh, I love Twitter, but I hate that I love it at the same time. Yeah. Um. But this guy was, why? Why are you so quick to dismiss a talented Mississippi kid? It's like be, because it, it doesn't matter where he's from. What matters yeah. is what he can do for you. And I I think there's a lot of um people would rather guys from their backyard play and maybe not win as much than a guy from California who's a little edgy who wears his hair like Coolio for some reason in the season opener. Um they God, gravitate God more he has tattoos, Michael. Oh, look out for that. But uh, there's there's some kind of um there, there's a pride there that, that people don't want to get over. It, 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 maybe it's they, they don't want to be told that what they're producing is good enough, but it, it's tough. And you do have some pushback on that. People that don't like the fact that if you go to old Mrs. Commitment List and I had it up and I lost it, there's what one Mississippi guy. I know there are, there are some local people that like to point that out that Ole Miss isn't filling a class with Mississippi kids. And my response would be, well, so what? So what? 
as long as they get guys that can contribute and play, Lane Kiffin's job is not to be the coach for the state of Mississippi. His job is to be the football coach for the Ole Miss Athletic Department. And his only job description is win games. That's it. And do it however you can. But there is some local pushback. So I'm, I've got Ole Miss's class up. Uh, Jamon Gordon was a guy that, by the way, was going to go to Auburn, but had to go to junior college, is the only Mississippi prospect on this list. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it may not work. I, I'm not saying that, that Kiffin is going to win a national championship, and I'm not saying he's going to be at Ole Miss for a decade. But this is different than before. Yeah. And people are paying attention nationally. Ole Miss right now, they're one in freaking four. One in four. And are a story in college football. Yeah. I mean, looking at the four highest rated guys right now, Braylon Brown, Miramar, Florida, Kendrick Breedlove, Nashville, Tennessee, Dink Jackson, Melbourne, Florida, Tysheem Johnson, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He's being being thorough and getting who he thinks can play. Um, and let's not pretend like he's not trying to get a quarterback from Mississippi, that they're not trying yeah. to, to flip a couple wide receivers from Miss. It's not like they're not trying yeah. here. It's they got a defensive lineman they want from Mississippi. I mean, it, it just everybody just just take a breath. But I, I, you brought it up, and I and I'll have to you know make sure to mention it here. The Arkansas game, Matt Corral, that was only his eighth career start, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was his third offense and his third coordinator that he's had in three years. So, um, and he's got work to do. Yeah, I don't know where it comes from, and I think in part a friend of. Uh, Friend of the programs, uh, Bennett Hip, he's very locked in with uh, Ole Miss media, even though he lives in South Carolina now, pointed it out. Ole Miss fans have not had to deal with the growing pains of developing a young quarterback in a long, long, long time. I mean, you went from high school guy. um, So let's run it back here. So you had uh, that's a good question. I mean, Shea Patterson started briefly, but yeah, y- you didn't have to deal with the growing pains of Shea Patterson because he he bolted. Um, I mean, you Tamu got the majority of the starts. Tamu is JUCO. Chad, Chad Kelly, Kelly JUCO. JUCO. Bo Clemson Wallace. JUCO, but yeah. yeah, Bo Wallace JUCO. Um, Randall Mackey JUCO. Masoli was a transfer from Oregon. Um, Devin Smith. Jevin Sneed, transfer from Texas. Might be Nate Stanley. But he only started a couple games before Masoli took over. So who would have been the quarterback for Ole Miss in 2007 for Ed Ordron? Let's say I'm running it back. Maybe Spurlock is in there. This is before before my time. Schaefer was a Juco guy. Seth Adams. I mean, that's how long it's been. It's been forever. So, yeah, I mean, this is uncharted territory for for a fan base that – they're used to having guys being thrown in there that played a JUCO season or transferred from another Power Five school. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely something to think about, and that's a, that's a great point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's something like like you said, Ole Miss is definitely recruiting guys from in state. They're just not in the commit column right now, and I think it's something that uh, you know they lost uh, an in state commit recently, uh, Elijah Sabatini's from down on the coast in Biloxi. Um, you know. Might be going to Georgia. Got a Georgia offer. He's trying to, you know, think about where he's going now. With a, it's a big offer. I mean, Georgia's a legitimate it is. top ten program. So, um, yeah, it's important 
We're not saying it's not important to get in-state guys. I think you have to be very picky and selective, especially in Mississippi. But I think it's something that people need to realize. You got to go national, and you—that's the thing. If you if you want to compete nationally, you got to recruit nationally. I think that that rings true, and I think that um, that's something that fans are just going to have to understand now. With recruiting has changed, the landscape has changed. You've got Twitter now. You've got um, huddle. Kids can put their film up the next day from their game. Um, you can see players from everywhere. You don't have to drive or fly and go see someone in person. I mean, you can just go on the internet and find them. So, um, so yeah. It's so, unfortunate, uh, uh, you know, for many reasons, obviously. I don't, I don't want to say this is the yeah. top of the list, but it's unfortunate COVID happened because right. I think that this people would have been – it would have been a different reaction, though, of course, because Lane Kiffin's a known commodity and his staff is a bunch of known commodities from really high-profile places. But Ole Miss would have won seven games if this season would have been intact. I think they would have beaten Baylor and they would have won the rest of their non-conference and Vanderbilt and a couple more along the way. They would have won six or seven games or so and signed a top 15 class. And it would have been it would have been immediate to me if COVID never happened because they would have had visits and the campus would have been just buzzing and crazy because it, you saw it. Everybody that watches or listens to this saw it. The day he walked into the pavilion, there were more people there than for a lot of basketball games. And that was like a Monday afternoon, a work yeah. day for everybody. And people were buying beer, just like hanging out, having a great time, having their Coors Lights. And the vibe around this state, even I felt it all the way down around the capital city was so different. I mean, it, it, it felt like the 2013 season. That's what it felt like that kind of aura. And this was in January after Ole Miss just went four and eight and literally pissed away the egg bowl. And you had that kind of feeling when talking to people, there was such momentum. And then, Rudy Gobert had to touch the microphones in the sports world. <laughs> yeah. Got destroyed. It's a shame that we didn't get to see that through because I think that would have been spe- – it would have been – people bring up that 2003 LSU game. Mm-hmm. That's what it would have felt like every Saturday. That's what it would have felt yeah. like. Yeah. That's how locked in and engaged people were because they. it was years and years of just suppression and NCAA and bad football. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all of that was about to change. And that's a and that's a conversation for, for another day with how mm-hmm. COVID has affected recruiting. Cause yeah, no no official visits. You can't do in-person recruiting. That's just hampered a staff like Ole Miss's that is extremely charismatic. They're very young, energetic, and can can do a lot of damage. But and it's a place um, you have to see. I think that's the right. biggest Hugh Freeze is the one that said it. Hugh Freeze for all of his faults, deserves credit for a couple of things. Number one, he believed you could win at the highest level at Ole Miss. He truly actually believed that he could win at the highest level at Ole Miss, and he acted like it for to the best of his ability. Right. And then he nailed the recruiting side of it. Look, man, you don't have to come to Ole Miss. You don't have to sign here. Just show up and, and let us convince you here. And that was kind of his message. I mean, I heard it firsthand from people that worked in the program is that's how they pitched it to kids. Look, I know George is your favorite, but just come look. It, it, it's all expenses paid for. Take an OV. You've got five of them. Give us one. Just give yeah. us one. Yeah. And that was, I mean, it happened to me. I was a regular student. Nobody recruited me, but I didn't know anything. 
about the state of Mississippi. I'd never been until I took a college visit. And you're like, you walk around and you meet people and you're like, oh, hey, this place is pretty cool. And that makes a huge difference because nationally, a lot of people don't know a whole lot about Ole Miss. And negative recruiting works on kids that have never been because they've got nothing to go by. Right. It's really easy to eliminate some of the things that people use against you when you get a kid to show up and see it himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Michael, you, you, you give me plenty of time this morning. Again, I can't thank you Happy enough. To do this, it. this was fun. Um, last thing before, uh, before we sign off here, I do want to remind you again, don't forget to take full advantage of our special gaming offers from American betting experts. Again, it's incredibly easy. Everybody needs to do it because it is literally giving you money. Go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites that are legal in your state. Sign up. You'll instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 to up to $1,000. So literally that easy. So again, thanks to our sponsor, American Betting Experts. Thank you to Mr. Borky for joining me this Saturday morning. Enjoy the rest of college game day. Enjoy college football Saturday. It is uh it's, it's a good Saturday. It's a good slate. Any 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 game in particular you're going to pay attention to? Uh Auburn LSU. And even though Auburn uh thanks in part to a, an officiating blunder and some personnel mistakes by Ole Miss, um yeah. they should be 1 and 4 uh, in reality for some reason I can't get past the thought that they're going to beat LSU today. I, I first I I don't know why I think that other than I think LSU's last two performances are fool's gold. I think they're still really bad defensively. This is a true freshman second start ever on the planes at Auburn, socially distanced planes nonetheless. Uh-huh. I, I'm really focused on that game today. I think Auburn wins. I think the wrong team's favored. I don't, I, man, maybe it's wishful thinking after that complete <laughs> bogus lie. Uh, that was printed and uh, flipped the script about being happy that you got fired yeah. uh, at the end of your old Miss tenure. But no, man, I, I for some reason, I think that uh, this Auburn team is filled with luck and magic and voodoo. And uh, I mean, I guess Bruce Pearl is behind the scenes, like poking one of those little dolls with some <laughs> needles. I don't know how they're pulling it off, but today I think they do it again. Well, I, I, that is quite the... Uh... Quite the prediction. I, I I feel like their luck might run out. I think uh, I think LSU might have a little bit too many athletes that can get in space and, and be dangerous. But you never know. Auburn Jesus might rear uh, rear his head today again. So uh, that's going to do it for Respect My Decision, Episode 5. Again, thanks to Michael Borky. Thanks to American betting experts. Thank you to everyone that joined. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday. We'll have some Pac-12 to discuss. So until then... Everybody be good. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.